Hey guys, it's your host, Seth Goldstein, with Juicy Divas, Confessions of a Limo Driver. And I have a very juicy, important announcement. Ever wonder how cool and refreshing it would be to hear your own voice on iTunes? Your podcast made at a touch of a button? If you haven't heard about Anchor, you are totally missing out. It's the most easiest way to make a podcast super practical, and best part of all, it's free. It even has creation tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone on the go or computer in the comfort of your own home, guys. What's even better, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with minimum listenership. It's really that easy. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. What are you waiting for? Download your free Anchor app or simply go to anchor.fm to get started. Until next time, thank you. Goodbye. Hey, gang. This is your host, Seth Goldstein and Jim Francis, bringing you yet another wonderful episode with Juicy Divas, Confessions of a Limo Driver. Our next guest needs no introduction. But nevertheless, I will go ahead and introduce him anyway. He's an incredibly honest to God, wonderful, talented artist, a true virtuoso. He has worked, produced, played guitar, arranged, recorded, and toured with like huge artists such as Whitney Houston, Harry Belafonte, Bob Dylan, Diana Ross, uh, Mexican pop star Alexander Rosaldo. Guys, I mean, the list goes on. Beatles drummer Ringo Starr. My God. Um, should I continue? <laughs> Why don't we just introduce the man, the myth, my brother from another mother, Ted Perlman. How's it going, Ted? Hey, Seth, how you doing? Good to talk to you. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. How's uh, uh, still treating you up there? Both of you guys, you know, you and your wife, you, you guys got married, what, like a year ago, right? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm coming up on a year in August, but we've been together yeah. for a couple of years now. Uh, we Fantastic. love it down here. I mean, really? we love it. We love our the apartment we got is great. And um, she loves her job. She's working as a chaplain at the hospital. And there's yeah. no one more compassionate or loving than my wife. So that's a perfect job for her. And just, you know, we just love, I wish we had come down here before, except I wouldn't have got to meet you. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're now attached at the hip. I mean, it's like amazing. Why don't we yeah. talk about how we met? <laughs> it was yeah, just... well, you and I, we're like Jacob and Esau. That's cool, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we at, were. At the, yeah, the way we up. met was totally, um, uh, you know, uh, something that was Besheret, which is a Hebrew word meaning meant to be. And mm -hmm. uh, I just happened to stop by Starbucks a Sunday evening. And I just was, you know, I'd gone running and I stopped by. And I, was, I think I was on my bike and Jim and this uh, great lady, Francine, was there, a DJ, a VJ DJ, and yeah. uh, Rebecca. And so we ended up talking and you and I talked and we exchanged numbers. And then I ended up getting involved in the uh, parade, the Latino Heritage Parade in Pasadena. That's right. And then I ended up coming on, yeah, one of your, uh, one of your TV shows. And you and That's I have right. become uh, close friends, hermanos. And Haveli yeah. in Hebrew, which means family, familia, and Espanol. And we uh -huh. just have a, a bond that I hope will last as long as we both have breath. I think a lifetime, my friend, and no doubt. So 
and, and, and you know, it's it's crazy because you're now in the capital of country music and the music district uh, is in that area, right? What is, what's that like, man, to take all that in, you as a musician? Holy well, cow. Well, I, you know, I've worked with country artists like Arthur Brooks and Dolly Parton and people like that, but I really came down here with a goal of producing more Christian music and, you know, Christian music of, for the Lord. And it can be, you know, for the Old Testament, New Testament, but this is also the capital, not just country, but of, you know, worship music and uh, Christian yeah. music. This is where a lot of it comes out of. And I just wanted to bring a little different kind of flavor to it. And, you know, right. it's a, lot, a lot of it sounds very, how can I put this politely, vanilla is very vanilla. And I wanted to bring some uh, brown into it and some color and right. um, some, you know, some black and brown and some other things that would just give it a little bit of a flavor. That's fantastic because you have been all over the world. You toured with just about every name out there that's out there and different genres, like a whole hodgepodge of genres that you like. Uh, essentially work with I mean from Latin jazz to like uh, salsa which is a lot like jet Latin jazz to hip-hop right with young MC is that is that true young MC Dr. Dre Melly Mel I mean just the list of people and I was really confused because I thought I was living this not bipolar but multipolar life because uh -huh. I said wow I'm like doing so many different things but I, then I stopped and realized that I'm blessed by God to be able to do so many different styles and that Absolutely. as the years went on, when I started producing records, it gave me access to this huge library of music. I mean, I've done African music from East Coast of Africa, South Africa. I've yeah. done music from Japan and China and Australia and just countries in Northern Europe, Russian. I work with the biggest Russian boy band called Nana that was like, you know, they sold out 200,000 people in Red Square. I've worked with the okay. girls from the uh, 18s, which was from Ava. And that's up in Sweden. I've done English groups. I've even played for the Queen of England. So the, the music that I've been exposed to from the Middle East when I lived in Israel, Arabic music, right. and it's just given me a real rich uh, library to draw on when I do my own stuff. Gospel music in America, Appalachian music, Southern music, rock music, jazz, like you went through, all different kinds of music. I mean, to, to take something that has influences from salsa, gospel, and, and hip hop and Russia, and to put them together into something that people can listen to and say, that's cool. And that a Russian guy can say, wow, I hear some little Balinka or something in there. I mean, I've worked with the, this lady named uh, Mondo, who's like this big huge star from Greece. I mean, so who, how blessed am I that I've gotten to do this wide, wide palette. It's like a painter who's got great colors and he, he makes his own painting. And, and, and more so to, to that, more to your point, how blessed are we uh, Correct. to have you so that you can share us this wealth of music and, 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 and culture that's embedded uh, within the music um, vein. So yeah, a little both bit about, well, let's go back a little. You were born and raised in, oh, you were born in Brooklyn, New York, yes? Brooklyn, yeah, me and Public Enemy, amen. <laughs> <laughs> So, so there's so many people. Brooklyn, Brooklyn is literally like the the womb of music. If they say Nashville, they have music row here. Brooklyn is the womb that birthed more people from all these. Back in the '60s, there were all these white Jewish songwriters from Carole King, Jerry Goffin, Jeff mm -hmm. Barry, Ellie Greenwich, Burke Backer. All these people came from Brooklyn, and you had Barbara Streisand. You had just right. a slew of them, and they all. It's funny because a lot of the songwriters at the famous Brill Building in New York. With these, like I said, white Jewish kids from Brooklyn doing music for black artists. 
from, you know, back to the Coasters and Shirelles and all those people that in the 60s that were really big. And the dynamic was, I said, Neil Sedaka writing for, you know, these, these other artists. And, and so it was just an interesting thing where across uh, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-genre combinations that led to uh, what I love, uh, the period of music, uh, Top 40. And I still love Top 40. You know, everything has gotten very... Uh, what's the right word? It's like you used to go to a doctor and you went to a GP and he took care of everything, whether it's your foot, your head, your mouth. And now you have specialists for each finger, you know? Oh, yeah. I only deal yeah. with the first finger. You got to go to the pinky specialist. He's out of the block. Oh, sure. So music like top an 40. It's like an obstacle course now. <laughs> yeah. So music back where I, you know, when I grew up in like the 60s, 70s, music was just such as potpourri of, you know, you could have in the top 10, you'd have something as weird as the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which was this kind of thing about a ship that, you know, uh, sunk in the Great Lakes to um, Led Zeppelin to, you know, um, Sly and the Family Stone, Jimi Hendrix and wow. Petula Clark. And you just, it just, and Tony Bennett. I mean, anybody could be, there. more like the British charts were like that. They just crossed every genre and it was just amazing. So if you were a, a kid listening to your little transistor radio, you got a really good um, handle on different kinds of music, which I feel nowadays people are not getting that wide of a variety. You know, if they grow up, they may know every new hip hop artist that comes out, but they may not know uh, the background that even a guy like Dr. Dre, what makes Dr. Dre so special is that he's aware of all the music that came before him. And, oh. you know, it's not just, not just James Brown, but going back early and Billy Holiday and Sarah Vaughn and, you know, the jazz oh, artists, the, wow. yeah, the classic rock artists. I mean, you mentioned Young MC in my intro. So Marvin and I have written probably about 50 songs. And Marvin is really, really special dude. I mean, he was one of the first writers in rap who actually wrote for other people. He wrote for Tolo, which had, was that, I think it was Funky Called Medina. And oh, yeah. Marvin, Marvin, who's a USC business school graduate with a master's, was writing, you know, he's like brilliant cat. And um, and when I got, I took a ride with him in his car one day, and I thought he's gonna have like you know the W you know what, the station that played it wasn't it wasn't one back in they used to have on on KT I uh, uh, forget on AM but Marvin is playing nothing but the Eagles the Who and the Rolling Stones I said unbelievable I said where's hip hop he said I don't listen to hip hop I listen to classic rock <laughs> and, and and it's so cool and then you got even like um, what's her name uh, driver's license uh, Rodri Olivia Rodrigo. So on yeah. Olivia Rodrigo's new album coming out, she's got heavy metal guitars and she's got piano. She's got, she crosses every genre because she, like, you know, like Billie Eilish, Lady Gaga, they're just uh -huh. exploring. And, and it's, it's wonderful. When people say there's no good music, there's a lot of good music. You just have to work your way through the noise. And it's through, and it's that sort of um, discovery that, that these great melodies come to be. In fact, um, I have heard, you know, like, because people tend to think by and large and more so than not, um, you get a lot of folks that that is specifically, you know, the non-musical uh, background folks that think like the long-haired rockers, like Metallic and all these other guys drew from only rock inspirations. But a lot of them, in fact, had, you know, uh, just uh, like you said, like a wide palette of uh, a, a slew of, of, of different, um, influences in terms yep. of music and whatnot. And then, you know. not, just, not just music. I mean, if you see that uh, the Queen biopic, you know, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, you'll notice right. that Brian, Brian May and one of the other guys were physics majors 
in school and college. I mean, with degrees in electronic engineering and physics and nuclear and stuff like that. And so they were, they weren't even, their background wasn't even music. They played music, right. but it was like, they were, they're like, there's a guy from a group called Boston, Tom Schultz, the leader of Boston. He was a, he was an MIT graduate. And so a lot of, even if you go back into actors, Hedy Lamar, who was this beautiful actress from the forties and she invented radar. So the radar that planes use to fly through bad weather and submarines use, like uh -huh. it's from an actress who was like this Russian immigrant who happened to be brilliant in technology. So she got famous as an actress and for being beautiful, but her real talent lied in her. Uh, she was like Steve Jobs or something. You know what? And, and the same could be said about, um, uh, you know, like newer rock acts, like, for example, System of a Downs, like lead singer um, uh, Serge yeah. Tankian was Armenian, a, a sure. Lawyer. I think he's a lawyer. Um, uh -huh. And and um, what is it? Uh, Rage Against the Machine, uh, <clears throat> one of our our great uh, vocalists, super angry cat, great uh, scholar, dude, a uh, very scholarly, both him and Tom sure. Morello. It's a sure. De La Rocha, right? It's yeah, Zach De La Rocha. <laughs> but you know, before, if you're going to bring System of Down out, I got to throw a, a, a shout out for my Armenian brothers, you know, remember Armenian genocide. I just want to get true. that out there, you know, because, yeah. uh, sh sh you know, Pakatso uh, and Shnohagalam to all my friends, you know, uh, I just, I just love my Armenian brothers and they've Absolutely. just, you know, they've just, uh, Armenians have uh, suffered for so long and that was really, really bad. And I just hope the U.S. Uh, does take a stand and denounce Turkey because yeah. Turkey has to account for that uh, it's genocide. It was just Absolutely. out and out genocide. So it's to make up for it. Yep. And Zach yeah. De La Roche, those, yeah, those guys and Tom Morello, they're just such justice fighters that you have to really admire them. Even if you don't like, I work for Harry Belafonte and Harry, was the biggest justice fighter of them all. I mean, Harry started the We Are the World to, you know, to help That's famine right. in Africa. He helped get, get Nelson Mandela out of prison. Harry wow. was the one who did, uh, if you watch any of those civil rights movies, um, he was the one that brought all the Hollywood stars to march for Martin Luther King. And these are things that really impacted him personally. He got listed on the FBI's most wanted list, not most wanted, but, you know, black, um, right. uh, people of interest. Yeah, I forget the list that it was. You know, they were followed. And so he suffered personally, but he just thought that it was important he speak for justice. And he's still at 93 years old, is still out there, a voice for, you know, like like John the Baptist, a voice crying out in the wilderness. And That's he right. just, um, he's, you know, they're just committed to that. So Jack De La Roche, Harry Belafonte, um, anybody that, like yourself, you, you know, you, um seth the driver fighting for liberty <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and you know that that's cool harry seth and nelson mandela i love it <laughs> i'm honored man to be on that same list i gotta tell you thanks you're just well you're you're, you're, you're nice. such a you're nice to you're a just fault, such <laughs> no you're just such a multi-ethnic um uh wonderful renaissance man and you yes, know sir. you bring in you bring in such a, your background i could do interview you on this show and, and nobody would be bored that it wasn't me talking because I could talk about you for a long time because what I love about you is your background is just as diverse as mine and yes, you sir. bring, so, and, and you're bilingual and you bring in both cultures. And, you know, I just can't wait to see where your journey takes you. And I just hope well, I'm part of it. I think all roads lead to Nashville, buddy. I think one of these days I'm going to hang out with you out there before you know it, I'll be at the airport. <laughs> okay, cool. Let me know, man. I'm not that far, you know, 
<laughs> no, 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 nothing is too far here. Right. So when did you transplant to Los Angeles from New York? Ah, so this is uh, 1986. Um, in 86, I mean, you know, we've been living in New York. I, I was working in New York really uh, for a long time. I got back from Israel in 74. And as soon as I got back, I was just working. And I worked my way up into like a real uh, elite group of uh, musicians. And um, so my ex-wife, uh, who was like a pretty well-known singer, in 1986, she uh, went on a show called Star Search, which was like okay. the biggest show at that time on CBS. Totally and, remember that show. And, and, and yet she won the, the grand champion thing. And as you know, it wasn't a part of the what you win. They give you, you know, a bunch of money. But she uh, got noticed. One of the A&R guys was one of the judges. They got a Capitol record. So we got this million dollar record deal at Capitol. And we came out in 86 and, and we stayed out here for about six months. And not out here, I can't say here anymore. There, now I'm in Nashville, <laughs> here. And we right. stayed there and we just, you know, ended up living there and I just, eventually I started a studio, uh, started as a little studio up in um, Van Nuys. And all of a sudden, like, I had like this list of people coming in there that would be from Brian Wilson to Baccarat to Dr. Dre to Elvis Costello mm -hmm. to just, you know, hip hop, rock, jazz, all these people, and I'm not even, forget about driving to work, I'm like walking to the backyard and going to the studio, and all these people made their way to the studio there that was like, you know, you'd never expect it to be there. One night I had Jermaine Jackson and Billy Preston come in. No, not Jermaine, it was uh, James, Billy Preston and James DeBarge, and he had just broken up with Janet Jackson, and they, they were so high, they were screaming in the street, where's the studio at? And we had to go let him into the back. And uh, all I kept doing was looking at James DeBarge saying, this is when Janet Jackson was at her peak. And I was like, dude, man, you, you should have waited a little bit longer, you know, before you left Janet Jackson, you know, the divorce settlement would have been much uh, sweeter than now, you know, he got out of there right before she hit. And Billy Preston was really, really high, but he played his butt off. It was for Sarita, Stevie Wonder's ex-wife. And that oh, was, okay. uh, I wish I had pictures from that. We didn't have cell phones back then. I, I would have and, loved to have been a, a fly, I guess anybody listening, for most of our listeners, to be a fly on the wall in that studio, to tell you the truth. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, uh, Billy Preston crashed my uh, sequencer. They didn't have a computer sequencer is the way you recorded music in through a MIDI from a keyboard. And it jammed up because he did so many notes. It, it could take 10,000 notes. And halfway through a crash, and I said, Dude, man, you just played 10,000 notes. Why you play so many notes? He said, God gave me 10 fingers. Got to use them all. <laughs> he, he, he used every one, you know? And I, I still have some of that MIDI data, but um, I, I loved it. That one session, I was able to use that on a record I did for the Manhattans, the group uh, Kiss and Say Goodbye, Shining Star sure. Manhattans. And I had, oh, Billy's, yeah. I had Billy's MIDI data, all these great riffs. So I used it on a version we did of Everyday People by Sly. And I not only had Billy Preston playing on it, but I had the Chicago Horns because I had just recorded Chicago's live album, number 26. So I had the Chicago Horns come in. Jimmy Pankow did this great arrangement. And I got Gerald Alston, one of the greatest voices ever singing. So all, all these things that tie together are just so, I can't believe that they're just a happenstance. They're just, you know, and, and like on this journey. What happened in Van Nuys, right? It's like, uh, it's funny because I was listening to something not long ago and apparently... Um, there was another student of Van Nuys where uh, Dave Grohl, um, Nirvana, and all these these Sound other... City, Sound okay, City, Sound City, yeah, yeah, that was one of the biggest studios ever. The Rolling, yeah, the Rolling Stones were there. Van Nuys, 
Van Nuys is uh, an interesting city because it was a city that was really um, booming. You know, GM had their plant there and all these people moved there. And then the GM closed the plant and the, uh, the town just like went down really, really bad. The Main Street Van Nuys Boulevard just became sure. like a, a haven for like a bunch of homeless out of work people and just prostitutes. It really went down. And kind of like my wife, my wife is from Akron, Ohio. Thank you, LeBron James. She used to see LeBron when she was a kid, but the same thing happened there. They had the Goodyear plant and everybody was working and they closed the plant. And, you know, they're, they're on the way to recovery and Van Nuys has been getting uh, better. Hopefully after the pandemic now, they'll continue sure. their road. But, you know, it's yeah. just, uh, it's just a shame that in the United States, we've had so many of these cities that were uh, bustling because you know they we've let too much of our manufacturing stuff go. Now I'm preaching. We let our manufacturing go out to other countries, <laughs> and, yeah. and so it, it you know, preach, brother, preach. Um, yeah. I mean, serious. You know, it's like I want other countries to do good, but I want my country to do good too. And I hate you know this is a country that should have the richest country of the world should have no homeless people, definitely no homeless vets. So. Yeah, you know, especially so, those that served our our country. I mean, in, uh, oh yeah. Know, the word homeless I'm, vet should I'm, never I, be together. Yeah. No, I have. um. So I have several questions for you, obviously. So from the talent and there's many, you name just a few, but uh, anyone that captivated you the most that would stand out like crazy stories with, or someone that was like pure magic with were like on stage. Hold on one second. Hold on. Pause I thought you were like scratching that they had a turntable. <laughs> no, I just, oh, I have. So I just want to make sure this is the first day that I've turned the air conditioner on. Right. And I just wanted, I just like uh, a noise was going and I just wanted how to make sure that. Down there right now. How hot does it get? Is it like Van Nuys well, weather? Yeah, we're about um, 89, I guess. 89 okay, degrees today. But, but I didn't. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want you to hear the outdoors, Sonny. So, whatever it is that's that's uh, making noise, I guess I'm all right. We can keep going, you know. Yeah, I just I heard I heard I heard a noise in the background that was like, well, that's a different noise. So, yeah. Anyway, you were, for a, you were starting to mix, you know, like turntables and shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I I just heard it from the room. We have I said, yeah. this brand new apartment that we're in that nobody's <laughs> ever lived in before. So every time I turn something on, it's literally the first time. I mean, it's not and like kept... the eight. The... Yeah, it stopped now. Yeah, whatever it was, it stopped. But I said, the air conditioning is great. It's just that, you know, it's never been on. We had the heater on. It got cold a couple of weeks ago, and now it's uh, hot. So um, we're literally the first. The dishwasher is brand new. I mean, the toilets. Nobody sat on the toilet. The, the dishwasher is brand new. The refrigerator is brand new. The microwave, the oven. So every time we turn something on, literally, that's the first time it got turned on. And it's just such a wonderful experience because yeah. I've never lived in a brand new uh, place before, you know? It's, yeah. it's just uh, it's just wonderful. So gracias uh, Dios. Thank you, Jesus. I could be happier for you and your and your wife. You guys deserve that and, and more. So totally happy that you're down there working with so many people. Um, oh, I was saying, like, some of your, like, you know, heroes, like early influences for you growing up. Some of my earliest influences. Yeah. Well, so I don't know, you know, how old your audience is and what, you know, what the uh, demographic is it's, and stuff. But it's between twenty-five and fifty. 
So um, let me see. So I, I'm, I'm a child, you know, I, I was born in 53, right? Which makes me like almost old as Noah and Moses. But, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I came up in the 60s and, and it's funny because that's a great uh, question because I, I spent 15 years working with Burt Bacharach. And when I was about 10 years old, the first record I heard that made me want to make records and do music was Dionne Warwick's Walk On By. And I mean, the Beatles had come out and that was like really cool because all the girls loved the Beatles. So we all wanted to be the Beatles because we thought yeah. we could get girl for girlfriends. And that was like our motivation. Not so much for the music, just for the, you know, getting a girlfriend. But yeah. I heard Walk On By on my little transistor radio in uh, 1963. And um, I was like, wow, what's that music? And when I work with Burt Bacharach and I'm sitting with him in my studio one-on-one, -on -one, I said, you know, the first record that made me want to do music was your record with Dion, Walk On By. Wow. And I don't know, it wasn't the hip, it wasn't like rock or anything. It just had the sound to it that if you see me walking down this, and Dion's voice and just to, you know, through a little transistor radio, a little tiny thing, it all sounded great. I mean, it just it just touched me somewhere. And to get for me later on to get to work with somebody who was so influential over me was just such a, a thrill because a lot of times, like my ex, it was a singer called Ruth Brown. And my ex, when she grew up, was really um, motivated and wanted to say Ruth Brown was such a big star. And so Ruth Brown uh, had called me back in the 80s to work with her and do some arrangements. So she came to our house and she was disappointing. She was not a nice lady and it was like a great singer, but my ex was crying after she left because she's, you know, I, I wish I'd never met her. It was such a yeah. uh, drag to meet one of your heroes, but Burt yeah. Bacharach was everything and more that I wanted him to be. You know, I mean, the Beatles were a big influence on me and I, I always, I met John Lennon, but I didn't get to work with him. I got to play with Ringo one time, um, but you know, they just, uh, Keith Richards, um, and as Sam and Dave, I loved like, soul music. It was like, I learned how to yeah. play that and like, nobody has shown it to me. You know, all the I, stacks I, and Otis Redding and um, the, the Isaac Hayes stuff that was coming out of there. I still, the stuff I still from, play some of that stuff when I cruise through Van Nuys or at, from time to time, I'll video <laughs> yeah. in my Prius, get this, I cruise in my Prius with my yeah. son and we'll jam to like R&B, anyone from, just take your pick from the litter box. I, I just listen to it all. But I love it. I love just to get that uh, feeling. It's almost like I feel like it sort of transports me to that time and sure. place, you know. The, but, the um, music, the music. Yeah. I said heroes. I mean, I I used to tour with Stephanie Mills, and Stephanie Mills. I mean, we did real big tours with the Commodores when um, she had a number one record, "Never Knew Love Like This Before." So that put us into fifty thousand seat arenas, and that was pretty cool. Um, but the opening act on some of Stephanie's own shows were the Manhattans. And wow. the Manhattans had, oh man, they were so great. I mean, they were the opening act. And I used to come early to the show just to go hear them. And Gerald Alston and Blue Love It, this has got to be the saddest day of my life, that opening of <laughs> Kiss and Say Goodbye. And so years later, years later, I, I always wanted to work with them. And they were yeah. in my studio and I recorded their last album with Blue Love It before he passed away. It's called Even Now. I mean, and it's it's great. That was was referencing one of the songs, and we had a hit record off there called "Turn Out the Stars." That was their biggest record from a Shining Star until you know then. And so, meeting and getting to work with heroes of mine, Chicago. When I was in high school, I cut out of school to go see Chicago in uh, New York. I think it was Carnegie Hall at the Fillmore. And then, so 
cut to years later, 2000, and I'm on stage with them recording their live album. And I was like, this is so cool because these guys were heroes of mine, you know, having, having, you know, working with Bob Dylan and just, um, you know, meeting people that you looked up to. And a lot of times uh, musicians, I was in a group called Stuff in New York. So that was me, Cornell Dupree from Aretha Franklin, King Curtis, Steve Gadd, uh, Gordon Edwards, Richard T, Eric Gale. These are guys that I, Eric Gale is the guitar player on Mr. Magic by Grover Washington. And that, I mean, that's like, and I'm standing next to this guy playing, you know, this is like white boy heaven and the gospel groups. And so not only am I a a lover of creating music, but I'm also a fan. And most of the guys I know who are great producers and engineers and musicians were all fans at the same time of being creators like you. You know, you're a yeah. fan of great music and I'm still of, I'm a fan of yours, buddy, because honestly, oh, man. You, love God. Equal. Equal. you love God. You and I have similar backgrounds. Um, you uh, I mean, it's just you're an artist in every sense of the word. I mean, how do you lock in with like the different rhythm sections with different artists? That's beyond me for you to be able to play with different people. Not only. Uh-huh. Play, so so then, I used yeah, to work with Willie. I worked with Willie Colon, the salsa legend which I want to put a prayer out because Willie had a bad wreck in his RV about, uh, I think it's about three weeks ago. And he's, uh, he's really, you know, he got hurt really bad. His wife's okay, but, you know, prayers for Willie. And so yeah. Willie, we used to, um, I mean, Willie's like a legend, you know, Willie brought you Hector Laveau, Johnny Pacheco and all of that. But um, we used to have meetings wow. on clave, clave consciousness, which was like, you know, what I learned from them is clave, you know, bop, dot, dot, that, that. Okay. that rhythm is what ties together all music and all styles. And if it got off the clave and the rhythm, and you said different rhythms, as long as you find the clave, you don't even have to be the greatest player in the world. You can lock yeah. into the rhythm and find it there. It's just, and you and you don't get, like, I, I, I didn't go to music school. I mean, I've taught at school, UCLA, yeah, but did. I didn't go to music school. I, I went, I just, you know, you have to feel it. it it's like in your soul somewhere. And even yeah. if you're, you know, you have to learn the technical part of the instrument, but, you know, if you have that feel, some people have like a great pocket where they just sing behind the beat or play behind the right. beat. It's just there. And that's God's special gift to everybody. And, yeah. you know, you can learn the rhythm, but it'll never feel uh, natural. It'll feel uh, learned. Different. Did you ever meet um, uh, disgraced uh, Phil Spire, the, the producer? Wall well, of sound. okay, so... So I, anybody you mention, I guarantee you, I can have a story somewhere. My my degrees of separation is more like two. So when right. I came back from living in Israel, the first gig I got was with the Crystals. That was Phil Spector's group, and that's where I met my ex. She was one of the Crystals, and they had da do run 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 da do run run, and and we ended up going to uh, England, and the do da do run run, which was a hit back in the '60s, suddenly got released, and we were there, I guess, in 1974. Four and uh, the end of '74, and Dadu Run Run was like a top ten record on the charts again. So that was like, okay, cool. Now I never got to meet Mr. Spectre, but thank you, Mr. Spectre, for making those amazing records. I worked with Ike Turner and Ike and Tina. Um, Phil actually worked with Tina, and they did that uh, River Deep Mountain High, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and so yeah. Phil, Spe- you know, I've worked with all the people. I have friends who played on the records. And uh, Phil was a genius. I mean, you know, he's like, like I put Phil Spector in, in the category of like Kanye. These are people who are like troubled geniuses. Right. And um, you just have to say, 
like, you know, um, God bless him. And, you know, you kind of like admire the talent from afar. That's all. True. You know, because, I, uh, you know uh, Donna Clarkson, I think she, she was in Fast Times Richmond High. I didn't realize that. And I was watching the other day and her name came up and that was Lana Clarkson. Lana, Lana Clarkson. Yeah. yeah. I have a friend. I have a friend who was a bartender with her and was with her the night Phil took her home. I mean, oh literally, God. I mean, and so he said that that was, you know, ridiculous. I mean, I have, I, I don't I don't want to say the name, but it's a very famous singer who told me Phil Spector did the, she was at Phil's house and walking out and Phil locked her. There was like a, a, yeah. a gate gateway between the house and going outside. And it was like a little area, like I guess, I don't know, porch or something, but right. he got outside the gate. He turned around, locked the gate and she was in between the leaving the house and getting into the house. And he just yeah. took off the car and drove off. And she was like, uh, I can't curse, but you know, she was like you MF and everything like that. And then he turned her and came back and he thought it was funny. And she was like, are you know, are you crazy? You know, she never spoke to him again. He just, yeah. you know, I mean, he was just so brilliant and uh, damaged, you know, and He's I don't know lo what. A lost soul. Yeah. He needed God for sure. Jesus. I saw him. You know what? I lived in Alhambra for about 10 years. I failed to mention this to you. And I would see him at the CVS down the street on when I lived out in on, by Fremont and Valley. Was a CVS yeah, my, 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 I used to go to church at Holy. I would go to church at Holy Family, which is on Fremont. Okay. And my gym right. was on Valley. I went to my gym, Planet Fitness, right over down there in, in Alhambra. Yeah. And so I, I and, and we almost had a house. And the house was oh, south. I forget south. Uh, what's this? What's the so so uh, some Fremont? Uh, no, the, no, it was the town. It was called uh, Oh South Pasadena. No, but it was another name. It looked San right Gabriel. at Gabriel. No, something down uh, with it. Oh, S, San but anyway, no, but it looked right at when they showed me the house. There was way up on a hill, and we looked out, and they said that's Phil Spector's house right, right. down there. You know, yeah, I, he, I, lived, he lived across the street from. Uh, fame skateboarder from the 80s, Lance Mountain. Remember Lance Mountain? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, so Tony Hawk and all those guys would go skate to the house because I was a huge skater back in the day. And, and we'd go um, and watch some of them skate. This is way before um, uh, Phil Spector acquired the house. But anyway, wow. it's wild that there was just right across the street from Lance Mountain's house. So, wow. Uh, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. And who's the other guy? The kid? Uh, Stevie Sean. Cavallaro. Stevie no, Cavallaro, he's... Tony Hawk. Lance Mount, another like, one. Um, like a Tony younger. Alva was Tony Alva no. was and um, uh, Mullen, Steve Mullen was it or um, no, no, one kid, that, one kid that's like the most famous uh, skateboarder in um, what's his name? He's got games and everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Video. Polly Rod. It's Paul Rodriguez's no. son. No, um, no, no. It's another guy, Steve yeah. or Sean or uh, uh, something. Like a, okay. Another, another guy yeah there's there's so many waves of new skaters coming on and off and 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 but they had like the bones brigade there wow was that, wow there was a dogtown boards like i don't know they did this thing on dogtown with tony alva and like the beginning of, of skateboarding and then anyway wow. lance mountain was one of the cats that lived right across the street from uh from phil specter's house in alhambra um wow i, I found out they recently sold the house so i don't know I don't know that I yeah, would nobody's want I mean the house I wouldn't want to be in that house. Yeah. You know. No I no mean if you believe in you believe in spirits of the dead, you know, it's like uh, you know, mm -hmm. I mean I stopped at I stopped in Dallas on our honeymoon we drove across country 
and we went. I went to the spot where Kennedy was uh, shot. They have an X in the street, and it's you know. Oh, wow. um, I mean, that was weird enough, you know, standing yeah. there. Plus, it was weird because the city of Dallas Eerie. didn't block off the street, so you're standing on the X. But meanwhile, cars are coming at you. So it was like my wife was taking a picture of me, and she's like, "Hurry up, hurry up!" And people are all <laughs> out there standing on the. It's like it's like imagine the two ten. And somebody had uh, got killed on the 210. Everybody wants to go stand in the spot. But it's right. like trucks are coming at 85 miles an hour and you're out there, you know. And so there I am in yeah. Dallas out in the street. And she's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Make a picture. Get out of the street. <laughs> it's like, you're going to be like Kennedy, you know. You're going to be a splat in the, the pavement. Oh, man. Uh, no, I'm so, uh, shoot. Don't go get killed over there, man. We need to. Oh, for, man. For 100 no, years. No, man. That was the first time I drove cross country. Yeah. And, and you know, um, how that like? Like, you guys went to different, made different pit stops. I mean, it must have been amazing. I have yet to do something like that. I've traveled to different places uh, uh, via a uh, plane, airplane, and I've driven up the country, you know, just not far from uh, up and down California, you know, as a limo driver, Vegas, like in times. But just uh, uh, traveling, like, say, to Texas or that kind of thing, it must be like um, quite a, a blast, you know? Well, it was. Um, oh, it, it was pretty cool because we actually um, part of the thing was we were looking at where we would possibly move to because we were thinking about leaving California. So we were like uh, trying different places. And I we were supposed to be driving from Indianapolis down to Memphis. And I took a wrong turn and ended up going to Nashville. And I never liked Nashville. I never wanted to go to Nashville. And I used to talk more uh, crap about Nashville all the time. So all of a sudden, my wife is like next to me. She's in the car and I'm driving. She's like sleeping. She wakes up. She said, why are you going to Nashville? And I said, no, we're going to Memphis. She said, no, you're on the road to Nashville. And I was like, what? I was supposed <laughs> to take this one road. She says, you turned off somewhere back there. And so I was like, OK, so we got to Nashville. And as soon as we got into the city, I loved it. I loved the feel. We went to eat. And I said, oh, you know, I've been not liking this for like all the wrong reasons. So, um, you know, I just... Uh, change and then so when she finished her uh we we met at seminary she at fuller seminary so she uh finished her mdiv there and so she sent out applications around the country and you know luck would have it where she get picked up in a hospital here in nashville so i didn't and and nashville is literally the place that i know the most people outside of new york and la so she could have not one of your posts you people you had worked with on several like you know productions way back when you ran into right there's a picture of you and a lady oh yeah that lady literally i said that studio we had in van nuys she was my first client and and no, she, she came no in crap. yeah because she had worked on our al capital album she wrote one of the songs she's a very famous writer she's worked with kenny g and Lexi warner publishing she's done a lot of records and songs and she's a great lady she just said hey can you do a demo and she came in and exactly like i wrote in that story and when we got to nashville the first night we go out to get some food, you know, I don't know anybody here. And, you know, not, you know, not that I'm just going to run into somebody like that. And I see this lady sitting at the bar. She goes, Ted. And I was like, uh, hello. She says, it's me, Lindy. I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding? So just as uh, fortuitous as to go meet you, I, I just think God has laid my path out. I'm just, you know, I'm on the train, but God's laying the tracks. That's exactly what it is, my man. And so real quickly before, because I know you're going to come back for part two. I mean, you have to come back for another interview. Um, oh, but before before you get off, I'm going to totally impress you if you impressed me before. Right. So I, I know music, but, you know, we're talking about skateboarders. So here uh -huh. 
right, while we're talking here, Tony Hawk, we got Rodney Mullen, we got Bam Marjorie, we got Rob Drydeck, we got Ryan Sheckler, we got Shepard Ferry, we got Bob Bernquist, Stacy Peralta, and Ed Templeton, and Tony Alva. Do I know my skateboarders? <laughs> wow, you wrote it down or what? No, no, I, I looked that up and there's more. I mean, there's PJ Ladd, there's Eric Costin, there's Mike Bellelli, there's Brandon Novak, because I didn't know anything about skateboarding until we just talked just now. So now uh, I we can have a conversation and I will know something yeah. about skateboarding because I didn't know that was a passion of yours. So now oh, because yeah. you're you're no. you're you're important to me. So now that's that important. Thank to me. you, buddy. I, I mean I wear I wear vans. I got a bunch of Vans t-shirts. I wear Vans sneakers. I wear Vans socks. I got Vans belts, Vans sunglasses. I'm the only guy who's got all that Vans stuff and does the skateboard. I love it. I love it. Uh, can you um, regale us a little bit, you know, with stories related to the Grammys? Tell us a little bit about the Grammys, how that night went, who did you come Oh, no. So, with? okay. So I, I wish I had the, uh, we were there at that night, but um, I won it with Burt Bacharach on his album uh, at this time. And it was an instrumental record. And unless you're uh, in the you know best album of the year award, this one for best instrumental record, which was pretty cool. My first Grammy with Burt, but hey, um, and Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre is on there. The Black Eyed Peas are on there. Uh, Chris Bodie's on there. Rufus Wainwright. Yeah. So this is this this is like great guys to be with, and we all get you know a piece of it, but nobody gets to go to the award show except oh. Burt. Bert gets to go, but he, it's not even the part that's broadcast. It's like, a, you know, like when they do the show and they say previously, these awards wow. were given out and they do it like that. So I'm oh, hoping okay. that the next the next time uh, the Grammy, it's I get to go and um, I'll stand up there and I'll give a shout out to uh, my friend, you know, um, Sid. <laughs> I, I will be there by your side, most likely. If it's in LA, okay. there, by the way. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be there. Um, so you had a great, you know, it's just nice to be attached to a project so grand like that with all these great acts like the Black Eyed Peas and, and, and just- Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Um, you know, you know so that's, I, Steve, that's Steve, Seth. I had to say Seth, right? Seth, me and, uh, Seth, yeah, Goldstein yeah, yeah. Go, me and Seth Goldstein to go to the Grammy. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fantastic. But I'm not going to be the limo driver this time. Well, this time around, we'll have some of the house drivers around. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, I, there was, okay, so this is, this is a good story. It's not the Grammys, but it's the American Music Awards. And um, I had a good friend named Ollie Woodson. I met him on a train going from Philly up to New York. And he was, you know, nobody knew him. He's kind of, he just left Harold Melvin the Blue Notes looking for work. And then somehow or another, he ended up getting into the Temptations. And he not only got into the Temptations, he wrote and sang one of their greatest hits, Treat Her Like a Lady which was a pretty good story. And then he fell down on his luck and we were at the American Music Awards. Uh, we were like five rows back, um, Diana Ross, they got up and sang We Are The World. And at a break, we went outside and there was uh, kind of like the Five Heartbeats movie and there was Ollie looking really, really bad, talking about, hey, Perry, can you get me in? Can you get me into the show, right? And it's like, yeah. no, we had to go through all the security to get in and we got our two tickets, no. And he got himself cleaned up Thank you, Lord. And he got himself back on his feet and he, Great you know, God, went back yeah. to the temptations and he ended up, you know, uh, working with the temptations, I think, until he passed away. And there's a sub story, which is great for your listeners, because I had a friend named uh, Perry Moore and Perry Moore was the same thing. He was down on his luck and he was selling stuff to wash cars. And he came by my studio in Van Nuys 
and he's just sitting there in the chair and he's just hanging out. And he said, man, I don't know what to do. I can't get any work. I'm not making any money. And so I was like, oh, man, kind of commiserating with him, just saying, you know, hang on. And then the phone rings and it's Ollie Woodson. And Ollie on the other end says to me, hey, Pearly, I need another singer for The Temptations. Do you know anybody? And, I'm, <laughs> and I look across from me and there's Perry Moore, a great singer. And I said, this is unbelievable. This is like a movie. And I said, Ollie, I said, hey, Perry, you want to be in The Temptations? And he says, man, don't mess with me. Come on. I said, no, you want to be in The Temptations? He's like, yeah, sure. I want to be in The Temptations, The Beatles, and The Rolling Stones. You know, he just wow. thought I was like, you know, messing with him. I said, okay, Ollie, this is Perry. Perry meet Ollie. And I gave uh, Ollie, the, I gave Perry the phone. He talked to Ollie and he got into The Temptations. I mean, that was like, I, I just feel like God used me as his yeah. tool to just right. help him on his path. And so, you know, me meeting you, all these things, there's so many things that are not just a happenstance. I, I mean, meeting my no, wife not- at seminary, you know, was a, uh, she wasn't even supposed to be in that class and neither was I. So the synchronicity, man, all the stars lined up together for us, for sure. Yeah. Synchronicity. Um, that's great, man. And that's where, perfect. where, where was your studio located, by the way, in Van Nuys? I'm just out of curiosity. It was, uh, they changed, they, they split off in Van Nuys, became Valley Glen, but it was at oh, yeah. Woodman and Woodman and Oxnard. It was right there on Buffalo Avenue. It was called Buffalo Sound. And it was a block off of Oxnard uh, right there. I mean, it was, uh, you know, right across the street from uh, Grant High School, where my, sure. both my kids went. That's where, um, what's the ball player? The guy who got busted uh, for having I, a gun in his I, locker. I think, uh, the guys from Lincoln Park yeah. the went there also. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also uh, Tom Selleck went there. And a bunch of I guys didn't know in that. total, I think. Like, yeah, I, I mean, be, they had a list. I, I have a story with about Tom Salek. I used to be his limo driver. I drove him and um, uh, uh, Jill, Jill, his wife, and his his daughter. Wow. Yeah, I wow. drove them. And, and he owns. Uh, uh, he lives out in Westlake Village, and he owns um, one of his homes. And and it's. Uh, oh, oh wait! You say Dean Martin? I told you I could do any name. I have a number one classical record with Dean Martin. And the five Browns <laughs> on a remake of Dean's rich vote Dean's are you so Dean's original vocal cleaned up all the orchestra and everybody loves them by some time. And five yeah. pianos on Sony. I mean Dean, keep going, man. I am telling you, you can't you can't you can't pull a name out that I can't say something. And 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 your limo driver, here's a it's a funny story for a limo driver. I just saw this on the uh, news today and I took a picture of it just for your uh, show. And okay. the, the headline says Bride marries wedding guest after groom goes missing. And I I fell out, you know, like the groom didn't show up for the wedding, so the bride married a guest, the other you know, guest who was there. Hey, you over there, you're nice. Let's get married. <laughs> I mean, that's only that's a limo driver. Yeah. So random. <laughs> yeah, only a limo driver would have a story like that oh, because man. you would be taking people to the wedding, you know, and the groom didn't show I... up, so the bride got back in the car. I once had, I once had, I won't name any names, but years ago, I once had one of the clients in the car invite me in to an American Music Award show. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I already had the suit. So I was ready to go. I just, you know, spruced myself up a little more in the bathroom and, 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 uh, you know, I clean up really well, as you know, I slick my hair back and I was ready to go. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Fantastic. I have so many stories, but uh, I you're gonna have to come back because we need to do part two so we can talk about Trini Lopez. I'm very interested in Trini Lopez. Um, oh yeah, that that's a that's a you know that's a really so, good uh, story. And um, I got Dave Mason to talk about Dr. Dre. I got Bob Dylan stories. 
there's a thing in um, somebody put up of Diana Ross's concert in the park that she did back in Central Park when it started raining. She stayed out there. And wow. um, I, I was with her in the studio with Bob Dylan like a couple of months after that. So I, I got stories to, to tell. So I got a, a more. For days. I love it. I I am beyond grateful with you, indebted for life. Um, thank the Lord for you every every day and wish thank nothing you, but man. the best in, in your endeavors out there. And uh, keep me uh, posted on anything you do. We're going to do part two uh, shortly. A um, couple weeks or so, we'll have you back on. Um, otherwise, uh, thank you so much for being part of the show. Once again, no, I got, wait, and I got I got your driver. theme song, you know, I got, uh -huh. I got, it's called, uh, instead of listen to music, so listen to, um, wait, what's your, Seth, listen to Seth. definitely going to take that track and let's add it to the show what do we why don't we do that so once we get off in a little while we'll talk about how to how to connect that piece into the beginning of the show and then oh yeah yeah i'll make it but you know but you got to get right. somebody else to sing it because you know i can't sing. i can put it through auto tune and do it yeah but right. um well, listen to seth goldstein man I think everyone's a singer i think it goes back to who coined the uh, the whole oh yeah um uh down the road everyone would have 15 minutes of fame so we're yeah, gonna so everybody everybody comes on your show has to add their voice to that and then you just keep on we'll just keep mixing them in every time somebody comes on they'll just say whoa listen to seth goldstein and, and we'll just throw it in man it'll be like a that's, whole that's... crowd like marvin gaze you know let's get you know got to you know get it on or something like that it'll be it's awesome phenomenal. love it it's phenomenal yeah, yeah. man i think it's a brilliant idea once again uh the brilliant virtuoso Ted Perlman, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, All Ted. right. God bless you all. Uh, God, God bless, bless you. Talk well. to you soon, man. Take care, man. Bye. Bye.